Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Riggert, your host. I'm glad you're with me today. Today's episode, what is the number one crisis? Is it the climate crisis, the COVID crisis, the gender crisis, the border crisis, World War III crisis, child sex trafficking crisis, the fentanyl crisis, the violence in the street crisis, or is it something else? Is it the crisis within the individual human heart? It's an amazing thing. I think about the climate crisis and this crazy John Kerry and this World Economic Forum and all these people, even in the Vatican, you know, pushing this climate crisis, climate crisis down. And I'm a, I'm a, an old tree hugger. I, I love the environment. I'm the guy that backpacks up in the mountains and sees a, you know, a plastic bag blowing around and run after it. And, and, and put it in my pocket. But at the end of the day, if if some man thinks because a cow is, is uh, letting off a little gas out in the field, uh, <laughs> Bill Gates, you know, it, it, the, the methane going into the air, I mean, these people are totally insane. It is, or it has been, below zero here in Chicago for the last few days. And uh, it's, it's amazingly cold. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to predict something, though. We're going to go from below zero to this freezing weather. And in about, oh, let's say eight weeks, let's call it the middle of March, we're going to see some global warming coming. It's I, I just predicted. I know I'm going out on a limb here, take a little chance. But, but by the time springtime comes, it's going to start getting warmer. And we're going to have global climate change. Isn't it amazing? It happens, it happens you know, on a fairly regular basis, these insane people the border crisis, just opening the borders and, you know, one thing after another. But what, what do you do when, when, when you go out into the world and, and I see this disconnection, especially with young people, and I just want to spend time with them. I want to talk to them. I, and really what happens at, you know, the kind of the goal of my conversations is, is what do you seek? You know, this is the question that Jesus asks all of us. What do you seek? It's such a beautiful thing if you think about it. You know, it doesn't come in and just start, uh, you know, with, with a philosophy lesson or a theology lesson or, you know, moral issue lesson doesn't talk about the border crisis, the gender crisis. He says, what do you seek? And so so everything that you see out there, all this dysfunction that's, that is man-made in so many cases, everything that I mentioned there, at the end of the day, is some man-made crisis, either made up or, or actually a crisis. I mean, think about gender crisis and the COVID crisis. The COVID crisis, you know, we actually uh, weaponized, you know, a, a virus, gain a function and sent it out into the world and we then we put the people in charge of it that, that actually created it and put them in charge of the vaccines it's it's insanity right the climate crisis is it real you know climate's always going to be changing back and forth world war three it could really start a gender crisis i mean this is something that's just an insanity that's going through that a man could become a woman a woman could become a man yeah i mean you can't make all this stuff up so anyway so i want to come out with a message of hope but i want to go down get down to the basis let's get down to the basis of our hearts so let's let's start to unwind this buckle up and get ready for the rest of today's episode So I would say to young people and the young at heart that are listening to this, imagine you live circa 1890 in a Wild West town. 
that was really not so long ago. My own grandfather was a toddler that year in 1890. Consider that people actually lived without smartphones, and there was no inter- internet connection even if they had a smartphone. It was a good thing because the road through town wasn't paved, and you had to watch where you're going. You couldn't stare at a screen. You could easily trip or step into horse piles if you weren't looking down at uh, if you were looking down at a little screen as you strolled down to, the, say, the only store at the end of town to pick up a, a newspaper to see what was going on. And since the town was not filled with screen addicts looking for their minute-by-minute dopamine fixes on the way, you actually stopped and chatted with your neighbor, who seemed happy to see you. What else could you do for entertainment? Well, for one, every now and then a wagon would come through town selling something, selling a ma- medicine a tonic of sorts that promised to cure whatever ails you. They came to be known as snake oil salesmen. You know, the name originally came from an actual snake oil salesman, the so-called rattlesnake king, a former cowboy who got tired of being a cowboy and turned salesman by the name of Clark Stanley, actually a guy actually existed, who patented snake oil tonic. He's called it good for man and beast and it said on the bottom, the most remarkable curative discovery ever made in any age or country. Amazing, right? Clark Stanley dreamed of becoming rich. The problem was Clark's snake oil didn't contain any snake oil, but was a concoction of mineral oil, red pepper, turpentine, and cow fat. By the time he went on trial for fraud, he'd been selling snake oil for over 20 years. He was convicted and charged the fine of $20. Now, $20 was worth a lot more back then, but it was still a a slap on the wrist. Buyer beware, huh? Buyer beware. Young people, my heart goes out to you. You're growing up in a world filled with snake oil salesmen. Buyer beware. Only this time around, it's, it's different. You are an easy sell because the snake oil salesmen and women are in control of the mass media, the government at the highest levels, and in permeating all the way through the deep state, diddle for various parts of the church. In addition, the fact that the marketing geniuses out of the, in, in, in the world, all over the world, they know you better than you know yourself and have you addicted to your little screens, glued to TikTok, Instagram, video games, pornography. You become a consumer of whatever it is that the world elites want to sell you, which is a lot of baloney too. It's all about control and money and all those things. But I want to move off of that. I want to move to the point where, you know, what do you see? Get to your own hearts. We got to get away from this, these screens and these addictions. That doesn't mean to throw out your iPhone. I mean, I use it. I'm going to be traveling. I use it for GPS. I use it, you know, to catch up with the news. I use it for a lot of things. But you got to stop looking at it every two seconds. You got to start to get a little deeper into the heart. We don't know what to do with ourselves. We're living on the surface of things. You know, who am I? What's the meaning and purpose of my life? So let me throw a phrase out to you from God Bez number 36. When God is forgotten, however, the creature itself grows unintelligible. 
When God is forgotten, however, the creature itself grows unintelligible. We no longer know who we are. We no longer have an anchor. And again, all of those crises that I mentioned in the beginning of the show, those things all come out of this when God is forgotten. And we have to sit on that and look around because we can get so overwhelmed with all of this craziness and dysfunction that, that we don't know what to do or where to start. So we just keep clicking on that phone, kind of just sailing through life. But that's not why we're created. A friend of mine had some visitors staying at his lake home, including a young uh, woman who was home from college, who's a friend of his daughter. And his daughter later related to him that this girl confided to her that she had lost her identity. She no longer knew who she was. Jack, he said, my friend said to me, it's a confusing time for so many. And then he asked me, what's that Vatican II expression that you like so much? And I replied, When God is forgotten, however, the creature grows unintelligible. Isn't it true? Amazing. But just look around the world, spinning out of control, circling kind of the drain in so many ways. God has been systematically taken out of our country, our culture, our marriages and families. And and here's where it all starts. It's taken out of the individual human heart. Jesus said, what do you seek? What does he know? He knows within that human heart is a search for the truth. It's a search for authentic love. It's a search to know what is good and do the good, to know how to live your life. And at the end, it's a search for eternal love. It's a search for God himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he knows this. He knows. That's why the gospel is so powerful. Because if you sit on it, if you listen to it and you sit on it, it moves your heart. It's got power. But we don't do that anymore. We walk around with these screens. And and again, if we were in that Wild West town, we'd be walking through ruts and tripping over ourselves. So if that's true, if God was forgotten, what would we expect if we threw out God out of our hearts, marriages, then culture, country? Would we not expect that the creature, human beings, for us to grow unintelligible, we would lose our identity? We would no longer know who we are? We would no longer live with meaning and purpose. Isn't that what we see in the world today? And it should actually bring hope and a deepening of faith for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Why is that? Think about it. Let's go back to that statement. When God is forgotten, however, the creature itself grows unintelligible. By our faith, we come to know that we are created in love, by love and for love, in the image and likeness of God himself. We live out the two great commandments, open ourselves to God. Why? Because we are filled with divine life and love. We have the source like a spring. And if we're not tapped into that spring, we become like cut flowers and we have nothing to give. You can't give what you don't have. But now we're filled and then we turn and we we become that divine life and love in the world. We, 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 we find the truth of God himself. We're filled with love, grace, and then we become that love, that light in the world. This changes everything. It changes our hearts, and then it changes the world. That's who we are, sons and daughters of God. And our meaning and purpose is to give ourselves away as a sincere gift of self to others. Can you see the opposite of this happening? Everybody's on the phone taking selfies, selfies, selfies. It's that 3S highway about myself, 
about sex, not not as a not a, with meaning and purpose, but just as a as a pleasure based thing. Someone to use. We're using another person in the in the power of this, and then we give our our lives away to what to the state. And this is the end of the day. This is what the state is creating all these crises for. It just wants to keep you busy, keep you scared, keep you nervous, and then they become God. They become the solution instead of God becoming a solution. But tick-tock, tick-tock, this is all sailing away. The, this universe is exploding out. We're just The earth is just a tiny kind of a speck, really, if you look at the whole universe and billions of stars, and yet we think we're going to c- control the, the, the planet, you know, the, the temperature on the planet. I mean, we're insane. Do we clean it up? Yes, 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 of course, of course, of course. Stop with all the landfill stuff. Stop walking around with plastic bottles, you know. I get young people talking to me about the climate, and they're walking around with plastic bottles, you know. So, if you want to know what what the truth looks like, the way, the truth, and the life, just kneel down and look up at a crucifix. Open up your heart. You just ask for Matthew 7, 7. Ask, seek, knock. Because the, 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 the God of the universe is asking, seeking, and knocking for you. And then all that does is that's what prayer is. We meet there in the middle. Jesus Christ who climbs the marriage bed of the cross to do what? To give his life away to his bride the church well who's the bride we are we are and he pours out everything every last drop of blood and he says no greater love is this to give up one's life for what for a friend for a friend the god of the universe wants to call you a friend well how do we know this we only know this in our hearts when we stay in prayer. That's what prayer is all about. That's what the sacrament's about. So we, we, we do something and God does something, but we are free. We have to say yes. We have to open ourselves up. God will never barge in. He's not a, he's not a, a rapist and he's not full of this, this violent urge to use you. He wants to do the opposite. You see what's happening on the cross? He's doing the opposite of that. The opposite of love is not hatred. It doesn't start out with hatred. The opposite of love is lust. It's using someone. This is what we're doing in the world. We're using one another. God, this is from Acts 17, verse, say, 26, somewhere around there. God who is this fatherly, God who is this fatherly concern for everyone has willed that all human beings should constitute one family and treat each other in the spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood. One family. For having been created in the image of God, who, here's from Acts, from one man has created the whole human race and made them live all over the face of the earth. You see that? We were created in the beginning all the way from just, you know, Adam and Eve. And God starts to impart this. He, he wants everything to grow out of this oneness with him and with our first parents. And all men and women are called then right now to that one and same goal, which is God himself. If we don't open ourselves up and come back to that union and communion and see each other as brothers and sisters, nothing's going to change. For this reason, love for God and neighbor is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus, again, puts that those two great commandments into one, love God and one neighbor. It's just a big flow, isn't it? Sacred scripture, however, teaches us that the love of God cannot be separated from the love of neighbor. If there is any other commandment, it's summed up in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. You see this in Romans, in the first chapter of John, etc., etc. 
to men and women growing daily more dependent on one another and to a world becoming more unified every day, this power proves to be of paramount importance. John Paul II, he was getting older already. He was getting, he had, he had later stages of Parkinson's in 2002, yet he, he came out to the 17th World Youth Day. It's amazing. It was in Toronto on July 28, 2002. And he says this, he opens this up. Now, now again, you know, he, he could have handed this off to someone else, but he wanted to show people that he was pouring himself out this weak body. You know, John Paul was a good looking and incredibly intelligent man, you know, and, and, and can you imagine, you know, when you're crippled basically, and you can hardly speak, you know, and he's trying, he's putting this huge effort in and, you know, people are looking at him and yet they came out. These young people came out by the thousands and thousands. And he said, you, you didn't come out to see an old man. You came out to see Jesus Christ. So beautiful. And he said to this to them in one of the talks that he gave to kind of open this up. You young people are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. From Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Let me read that again. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Dear young people of the 17th World Youth Day, he starts on a hillside near the Lake of Galilee. Jesus' disciples listened to his gentle and urgent voice, as gentle as the landscape of Galilee itself, as urgent as a call between life and death, between truth and falsehood. The Lord spoke words of life that would echo forever in the hearts of his followers. Today, he's speaking the same words to you, the young people of Toronto and Ontario, of the whole of Canada, of the United States, of the Caribbean, of the Spanish-speaking America, the Portuguese-speaking America, of Europe, Africa, Asia, Oceania. Listen to the voice of Jesus in the depths of your hearts. His words tell you who you are as Christians. They tell you what you must do to remain in his love. But Jesus offers one thing, and the spirit of the world offers another. See, this is the battle. This is the crisis. So I'm looking back at my title again. You know, what, what are the crises? All these different crises made up. Gender ideologies and the border crisis and, and abortions and climate change and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What, what is this? This is the spirit of the world. You're not going to find yourself in political activism alone unless you're, unless you're connected to God himself. Then you go out in the world because you're bringing truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The solution always starts in the individual human heart. Then we go out in the world and we bring love into the world. Otherwise, we'll get caught up in these ideologies and we live for an ideology. Again, Jesus offers one thing. And the spirit of the world offers another. And, and when you move to Jesus Christ, it's amazing how things start to clear up for you. It's, it's work. It's work. But this is what we were made for. You'll feel a joy in your heart. John Paul said, in today's readings from the letter of the Ephesians, St. Paul tells us that Jesus leads us from darkness into light. Ephesians 5, verse 8. Perhaps the great apostle is thinking of the light that blinded him. He was the persecutor of Christians on the road to Damascus. When later he recovered his sight, nothing was as before. He had been born anew, and nothing would ever take his newfound joy away from him. 
Young people, you too are called to be transformed from Ephesians 5, 14. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light, says St. Paul. But the spirit of the world offers many false illusions and purities of happiness. There is perhaps no darkness deeper than the darkness that enters young people's souls when false prophets extinguish in them the light of faith and hope and love. The greatest deception and the deepest source of unhappiness is the illusion of finding life by excluding God, of finding freedom by excluding moral truths and personal responsibility. The Lord is calling you to choose between these two voices competing in your souls. That decision is the substance and challenge of World Youth Day. Why have you come together from all parts of the world? To say in your hearts, Lord, to whom shall we go? Who has the words of eternal life? You have the words of eternal life from John six sixty eight. Jesus, the intimate friend of every young person, has the words of life. The world you are inheriting, inheriting is a world which desperately needs a new sense of brotherhood and human solidarity. It's a world which needs to be touched and healed by the beauty and richness of God's love. It needs witnesses to that love. The world needs salt. It needs you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt is used to preserve and keep. As the apostles for the third millennium, your task is to preserve and keep alive the awareness of the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, especially in the celebration of the Eucharist, the memorial of his saving death and glorious resurrection. You must keep alive the memory of the words of life which he spoke, the marvelous works of mercy and goodness which he performed. You must constantly remind the world of the power of the gospel to save, from Romans 1, verse 16. Jesus, and and these are my words, Jesus didn't come for sin management. Jesus came with power. See, this is the difference. This isn't more information. This isn't like, you know, just reading a book. When you speak the words of Jesus, you're speaking the words of power and the power that he brings in. How do I know? I got to step into the story. I got to do those things that we talked about, the two great commandments. I have to open myself up to receive. I have to ask. Just ask. Just say, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm feeling. He already knows. John Paul went on, salt seasons and improves the flavor of food. Following Jesus, you have to change and improve the taste of human history with your faith, hope, and love, with your intelligence, courage, and perseverance, you have to humanize the world we live in in the way that today's reading from Isaiah indicates, where he says this, loose the bonds of injustice, share your bread with the hungry, remove the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, then then your light shall rise in the darkness Isaiah 58, verses 6 and onward. He went on to, to kind of finish this way. He said, you are young and the, the Pope is old. 82 or 83 years of age is not the same as 22 or 23, but the Pope still fully identifies with your hopes and aspirations. Although I have lived through much darkness, he said, under harsh totalitarian regimes, I have seen enough evidence to be unshakably convinced that no difficulty No fear is so great that it can completely suffocate the hope that springs eternal 
in the hearts of the young. You are our hope. The young are our hope. Do not let that hope die. Strike and stake your lives on it. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the images of his Son. John Paul said, I will finish this with a prayer. Everybody bow their heads, huh? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O oh Lord Jesus Christ, keep these young people in your love. Let them hear your voice and believe what you say, for you alone have the words of life. Teach them how to profess their faith, bestow their love, and impart their hope to others. Make them convincing witnesses to your gospel in a world that so is in so much of a need of your saving grace. Make them the new people of the Beatitudes, that they may be the salt of the earth and the light of the world at the beginning of the third Christian millennium. Mary, Mother of the Church, protect and guide these young people and women of the 21st century. Keep all close to your material heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. How beautiful, isn't it? Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being with me. Talk to you soon, everybody. <laughs>